Welcome to the If I Had More Time podcast hosted by Mariner's Church. This podcast series invites you into a casual conversation with our senior pastor, Eric Geiger, and our teaching team to hear a few helpful insights and truths they wish they had time to include in the weekend message. Be sure that you have listened to this weekend's message prior to listening to the podcast to ensure you get the most out of our current series, On the Table. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the If I Had More Time podcast. My name is Liz Powers. I'm our content pastor here at Mariners, and I'm sitting with Jared Kirkwood, our Irvine lead pastor. Long time listener. <laughs> First time attendee. Thanks for having me, Liz. So glad that you're here. We also have Steve Bangley, who's our North Irvine lead pastor. And you guys have heard him on here before. He was with us last week talking about sexuality. But this week, he actually just recorded the online message answering the question, how does hell exist if God is love? Uh, it's the last week in our series on the table. And um, and it's a gift. And each of you at all of our congregations in Southern California have heard from our lead pastors there as well. I know that we saw some beautiful displays of uh, people saying, I believe, people putting their faith in Jesus for the first time. So we hope that you've already listened to the sermon, and um, thanks for joining us. Glad you're here. Um, Bang, I would love for you to share. When you when you started writing this message, uh, you came to me, and uh, we were working through some of your manuscripts, some of the content that you, you were building. And it was so, what stands out to me is how you were so captivated by the gospel in this. It was with the question about hell. You know, we gave you this really easy topic on the final week. And then for you to come in with this reverent, um, captivated posture by by God in this, it was shocking to me. It wasn't what I expected. And I'm can you share a little bit of that? I mean, in your message, you even say something about how hell reveals God's kindness. Mm-hmm. And that is ludicrous to some of us. So can you share share a little bit of that? Yeah, I would love to. You know, I I know it sounds weird, but if we if if we view heaven and hell predominantly through the the lens of space, a location that we're going to show up one day, it's hard to see it as kindness. But if we see it primarily through the filter of relationship, mm-hmm. which I think is the dominant tone of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, Jesus came to earth for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. As a human baby, um, I'm going to get emotional again. Uh, I mean, that is the pursuit of relationship. Um, And so you talk about someone who is not going down without a fight, Mm -hmm. like doing everything to convince us and invite us and woo us to himself. The real offense, I think, of the gospel is not that we end up one day where truly our desires are like that C.S. Lewis quote, Mm -hmm. but it's really that I can't believe he came to earth to pursue us. Like that's the insanity. He actually came to earth. No wonder Paul said it's his kindness that leads us to to repentance. Mm -hmm. It's his kindness. It's it's not fear. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, you know, trying to scare someone. Jared, I think you might have a story on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was talking earlier um, back in my junior high ministry days. I was uh, teaching the gospel. I think I might have even been an I Believe message. And I had a, a, a parent come forward and, and he, um, I, I think well-intentioned, but, but essentially said to me, hey, you've been kind of teaching half the gospel. And I said, really, what's, uh, which half of my teaching? And he says, you're teaching grace. And I said, well, thank God. <laughs> and I said, you know, sharing the gospel is going to be uh, putting grace on display. And I think that's compelling. And he said, the other side, though, is that you're not teaching 
hell. You have not covered hell when you when you teach the gospel to, to middle school kids. And I said, what is it that, that you're, you're saying to me? And he says, you're only teaching half of the gospel. You're not teaching the full gospel, meaning we have to teach heaven and hell. We must teach both sides of this thing. And, um, and, and I remember being 23 years old, terrified that some parent was basically telling me that I was uh, only teaching half of the gospel. And I said, I, I, I am very sensitive to fear being a motivator for junior high kids to give their life to, to Jesus. And he paused and with great, <laughs> uh, great intensity, he says to me, fear is the best motivator for junior high kids. And I said, thank you, sir. I think you need to find another church. Uh, <laughs> but, but for me, it was, a really, it was just a really sad yeah. moment. And, and yeah. I think, Steve, to your message that we just got to hear, the beautiful thing that you did is that you, you shared the reality and the severity of hell without using it as a motivator for our, our uh, as if heaven is the antithesis of right. location, location. Yeah. But instead, it's about isolation and separation yeah. as the antithesis of God's desire for relationship yes. with us. Yes. So you, you did a beautiful job of the truth of hell, but the beauty of heaven and relationship with God as being the, the true motivator for it. And I think fear, it, it can, ex I mean, fear is a theme in the scriptures. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it can be there, but it would almost be like, I think about, um, this is a poor illustration, coming out on the fly. Here we go. But I think about um, when I was engaged to him, my, my wife, Angie, and looking at wedding day and going, I can't live without this woman. Mm -hmm. The thought of in, envisioning my future, not having this person in my life, I mean, that evoked fear. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I think that could be helpful mm -hmm. in the sense of, sure, I, I can't live without God. Yes. I need him in my life. Yes. Mm -hmm. But the pull, the gravitational pull is He's so good. Mm -hmm. Like he came to this world. And, and I understand the justice piece, by the way. You know, when we use words like wrath, when we use words like God's holy justice and anger, I, I understand kind of the, the knee-jerk response. I, I do wonder how much of that is it's cultural sensibilities. Keller talked about this in his work, A Reason for God. But, you know, if you talk to someone like in Eastern culture, like my parents and his and their parents, Seoul, South Korea, war-torn society, they saw great atrocity. Mm. So for that context, to talk about a holy God who's going to give people what they deserve, it's welcome. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow. yes. Right. But then to talk about a forgiving God is offensive. Right. But you talk about our Western culture. Right. We, we love the idea of forgiving and the idea of justice is, is offensive to mm -hmm. us. Mm. Surely we can't say our cultural sensibilities should override another person's cultural sensibilities. Right. That's good. That's where I think scripture transcends. Right? It's helpful for us. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Some people are going to listen to this sermon, and it's, it's so clear. It's a beautiful picture. You give the whole picture of a loving God who is also a God of justice, and we'll still walk away and wrestle with some things. And, and the common one that a lot of us have heard or even wrestled with ourselves will be, what about, what about the one that's never heard the gospel? What about the person on the desert island or in that sure. unreached people group who's never heard about this Christ? What would you say about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as a high school pastor for seven years, I got that question a lot. What about the dude on the island who never heard the gospel? Right. Yeah. Acts 4, we can only be saved under one name, Jesus. So there's, there's a little bit of a tension. What, what, what do we do with that? I think according to Romans 1 and 2, that person on the remote island who has never heard of anything— does not exist. So, so in other words, uh, this is the illustration that I like to use. We've all been given a degree of, of revelation, 
or truth about God or, or what I'll call light. Mm. Um, to use the car imagery, there's the headlights uh, and the high beams, right? So uh, the high beams is what theologians have called special revelation. Mm-hmm. This is like scripture preaching the, yeah. the, the gospel, mm-hmm. um, right? But there's that, that's the high beams. So yeah, those who have the high beams are without excuse. Mm-hmm. But the headlights are conscience, creation. I mean, Paul says that you know we all suppress the truth in unrighteousness mm-hmm. because creation reveals the power of right. God. Right. And so actually, we all, every single human being knows deep down inside, there's some kind of creator. There's someone out there. There's a moral law. My conscience testifies that there's something wrong. It's fascinating. All cultures agree murder is wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's something underneath. And I'm inclined to say that if we humbly reach out wherever we are, there's someone out there. There's right and wrong. There's got to be more. Wouldn't wouldn't we trust God to reveal Himself to that person? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is a sense of self denial. Then at that point, right. it's a this cannot be just me. This can't be me at the center of all of this, right? Right. Which sounds like discipleship yeah. to me. Well, absolutely. Yeah. This is a this is a conversation or a question that comes up in every rooted group and every session for all time, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it is impossible for a group not to get hung up on this topic of suffering, one way to heaven through Jesus, and what about cultures that do not hear the explicit name of Jesus, how do we move forward with this? And it is really difficult for a group to reconcile how can a loving God cast entire civilizations and cultures and nations to hell if that's what we perceive, right? That That's what God is doing in that. How would you, how would you even say that? Uh, is that beyond just general revelation or is there, is there something to this of um, one way to Jesus, it is one way to the Father, it is through Jesus, uh, for those that don't hear the name of Jesus, is there anything more specific in there with that? I think that, and I'm speculating, there's a little bit of mystery. There's a tension there. Yeah. I believe absolutely Jesus is the only way. Mm-hmm. But the process of how that's revealed, right. and that's up to the Lord. Mm-hmm. There are folks in other parts of the country right now who they're getting a vision, they're getting dreams yes. of someone showing up saying, I'm Jesus, yes. and you need to you need to come to the truth. Uh, my wife, she was on a mission trip or a faith adventure to Taiwan during college, and she, they, they were taught to share the gospel at a college campus. Mm-hmm. And she was sharing the gospel, and someone said, "No, I, I don't believe that that's true." And what they were taught in response, I don't I don't know if I do this, but they were taught, "No, that that you know it's true. You're you're suppressing the truth." And she said that her response was, "You're right." Whoa. I am suppressing the truth. And so I, I think with a posture of humility, that process, it's up to the Lord, mm-hmm. but I'm going to trust that he's going to have a process. I mean, he's given us Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the scriptures, creation. He's going to deliver mm-hmm. right. for that person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You mentioned mystery in this process. And I think that hell is one where a lot of people can do the what about, doesn't the scripture say, what about this one thing? And there there are some things that are very explicit in scripture about hell and then others that are mystery, others that aren't 100% clear that we don't know completely. And this is more of a, a question for how we approach all things in scripture that are a mystery. But how how do you approach them? Like, what's your posture towards things that aren't 100% clear? I have one, I have a framework, and I have one for em- something emotional. For the framework, I, I was- Of course you do, by the way, that you have a framework and an illustration. <laughs> I like this. Off, There's off a the cuff, he, he's he got it. it Sorry. Framework. Let's hear it. <laughs> Sign up for Rooted, y'all. <laughs> um, in seminary, um, 
a seminary professor said something super wise and beautiful. He said, where the scripture is loud in tone and clarity, we can be loud in tone and clarity. Where the scripture is quiet in tone and clarity, we're invited to be symmetrical to that tone. Where the scripture is silent, we're also invited to silence. Speak where the scripture speaks, we can be still where the scriptures are, are still. Yeah. So Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord. So there, there is an invitation to a faith and a trust that he's given us exactly what we need for life and discipleship and joy. Mm-hmm. And then on the emotional end, what I would just encourage is, um, I just think he's so trustworthy. Like I, I just think he's given us exactly what we need. And for that one thing or that one person like if we're gonna deter- if we're, if we're gonna play a game of, but what if this could have happened or what if that could have happened or why doesn't it say this? If there's anyone that I'm gonna cast my chips on, in terms of their character and trustworthiness, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go all in with with him, mm-hmm. the one who sent us in. Mm-hmm. So, the mystery piece to me has been an invitation of one that. It piques my curiosity all the time. Like, I love this. We've heard Eric say this before, that the last thing we would actually ever want is a God that we can fully contain, the Mm. one we can grasp full knowledge of. What kind of God would that be? And I think that this mystery piece throughout all of Scripture, whether it be miracles, whether it be Scriptures that we have yet to fully embrace and understand, and even if it's our doubts, mystery allows us to have this lifelong relationship where we can explore and be curious about who God is and what that means in my life, what it means in my relationships, what it means for eternity, what it means for past experiences and trauma and all that pain that comes from it. Mystery allows us, I think, to have this beautiful, unending, yet ever growing. That doesn't mean up and to the right all the time. It can be up and down and back and forth. Um, But it's a constant invitation into us exploring this God that we will never reach the ends of. Yeah, that's so great. And and he's revealed so much. Mm -hmm. Like he's given us so much. And I don't think Jesus being good to us means that he has to reveal every little nitty gritty for us. I mean, he calls his disciples friends. Sure. And in that passage, he says, I've revealed to you what the Father has revealed to me. He didn't reveal everything. Right. But that was enough for him to be like, we're friends. Yeah. I'm letting you in. So he's revealed a ton. Yeah. 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 How would you guys encourage a person who is wrestling, whether it's with an idea about hell or with a person that they just don't know where they are, like as far as their faith goes? They, they're unsure. They're yeah. waiting on this person to say yes. How would you encourage them to pray? Like what's, what, mm. is their, what do your conversations with God look on these days? There's something to me about for, for a person who is really struggling mm. with, with the concept of hell, I think to to not envision it as a as a, a location and place, but instead separation and isolation. In a sense, there's a little bit of you kind of get what you asked for. Um, if you if you turn away and deny, you're kind of gonna get eternal denial and separation. You do you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, if, if it is, I I really want what I I I'm asking God to give me what I want. I would say search what you're wanting. Um, and, and, and that being an invitation to then say to Jesus, what I hope for everybody is that what I hope you want is that you want Jesus himself. It's not mm. that you want what Jesus offers. It's not what you want uh, to, to not have hell, uh, but that what you want is the person of Jesus. If it all comes down to this is about the person of Jesus, then you're going to love the thought of eternity with him. That's so good. Which is the gift that ultimately he, he gives That's anyway. okay. That's, That's so good. Amazing. And I just add to the person who's wrestling right now. You're in good company. Mm-hmm. You're invited to a journey 
and so much of the Psalms is, is God's people wrestling with the interplay of God's love and justice. Mm. Did we do something wrong? Are you going to show up? Are you going to deliver? Are you going to judge? And so you're in good company. You have so much language already in the scriptures that, that you can lean on. And I just want to invite you to be honest. Like you can, he's not intimidated by your questions. Yeah. He's not. He welcomes you. Mm-hmm. He loves you. Yeah. So good. Thank you guys for joining us on the If I Had More Time podcast. Thanks for joining us today on the If I Had More Time podcast hosted by Mariner's Church. We hope to see you next weekend at any of our congregations across Southern California or online. To view our service times at each congregation, be sure to check out our website at marinerschurch.org.